This whole country just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. Is the trial staged well enough for you, or do you think it's... Uh... The trial is like, the trial is uh, absolute poetry. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Was it for the law, we'd win easy. <laughs> How do you think the trial will affect, you know, like what's going to happen in the it's next gonna get, It'll give a lot of people in the establishment headaches. They'll cry a lot. Well, because they're... Uh, their world is like falling apart and uh, the world that they suppose that they like learned about in the third grade and they think is existent in this country it's uh, this trial just like rips a mask off that so it's like that's ridiculous hello and welcome to Decades Podcast. This is a podcast where we watch two movies, one from mm -hmm. a previous decade and one from the uh, current times. And uh, then we talk about them and stuff. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, this, for this episode, we watched... I'm movie. Jacob Kuykendall. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> I'm the only one here today. <laughs> This is a, now a scripted podcast with just me in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're Jacob? Mm-hmm. And? I'm Nicole. <laughs> and who are you? I'm Deb Kuykendall. Didn't I say that already? I no. don't think so. Oh, I just, <laughs> That's I why just, I interrupted you, because there's no introduction. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> anyway. It'll all clean up in the editing, I'm sure. Some of it, maybe. Um, so for this episode, we watched two movies, as mm -hmm. we are wont to do. That's right. Uh, one from 1974, a documentary about the Vietnam War uh, called Hearts and Minds. Yep. And one from 2010 about the Chicago Conspiracy Trial, or uh, also known as the Trial of the Chicago 8. And the name of the movie, however, was Chicago 10. <laughs> so confusing. Well, I, I actually read a yeah. new york times article from that time period mm -hmm. and they basically in the like the first paragraph or so it said the trial of the chicago six seven eight nine <laughs> <laughs> whatever that oh, number, interesting however many you want to call it it's called the chicago 10 because they included the lawyers oh. along with the defendants because they all well spoilers never mind yeah right. <laughs> stuff that's, happened that's, that's, some things happen. that's that'll be the second movie that we talk about okay i was wondering what order we we're going to do this in yeah we'll do the old movie first it will be impossible to synopsize because it doesn't have a story no it's more like a <laughs> it has a news... shape though yeah definitely some stuff it was it won the academy award that year 1974 i mm. believe okay for a documentary it came out towards the end of the war the war ended in 1975 as we know from some of the previous movies we watched in 1968, like at the 68 Chicago convention, mm -hmm. they were protesting the war. The war didn't end, obviously, for yeah. many, many years after that. Well, at the end of Hearts and Minds, it's clear things are changing. It's the, kind of winding down. Yeah. Yes. The shape of the movie is basically... I really liked it, actually. Yeah, I did, too. So there were, they interviewed a, like a set of people... That included a 
one of the people they introduced early on was a colonel. Wait, I don't remember if he was a colonel, but his last name was Coker. And he had been mm-hmm. a prisoner of war for several years and had just come back. It had a mm-hmm. hero's welcome. And he he was still very much into it. He was very patriotic. He went around giving speeches in his uniform to school children and moms and whoever. Yeah. So the movie sort of opens. He's one of the first people that you see. But it, but they also interview like people who were in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people early, in the, early in the movie for sure. Yeah, they've, they've got this set of people that are sort of pro and people who are anti-war, and and that some of them are like uh, Vietnam vets who have mm-hmm. come back. Happy Veterans Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of seemed like the last scene was maybe a Veterans Day parade. Actually, kind of felt like it. So, and also we're we're recording, recording this on Veterans Day <laughs> a couple days before Veterans Day. Today's Saturday. Oh, you're right. Sorry, I lost Monday. track of the days. You're right. <laughs> they all go by so fast mm. with so thought, many things happening. I thought tomorrow was Veterans Day and it's observed Monday or something. I think it's always Monday. Yeah, it's always on a oh. Monday. Hmm. That's why it's a bank holiday. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you get this. Uh, they introduce one by one these people, and they all, they all say a little bit about what's going on, mm-hmm. and their story progresses as the movie progresses because they keep yeah. coming. And this is intercut with scenes from Vietnam and scenes of them interviewing mm-hmm. parents of a dead soldier, and scenes from the 1968 Chicago con- uh, riot outside of the convention. Right, and interviewing Vietnamese people from, you know, civilians up through the government in South and North Vietnam. Yep, and ex-government people, who like um, one of the guys that had apparently, I mean, he had been the president of South Vietnam, I believe, and was asked to was was Step asked down. to do something he didn't <laughs> want to do, so he resigned, and then yeah. then we, the Americans. The American government called him up and asked him to leave the country. Right. He couldn't just hang out. He had to actually leave. Which he did. And he had a tape recording of it, which he played. <laughs> yeah, and he's very proud of himself. Part of the movie. Uh, Nicole confirmed Sunday, November 11th, Veterans Day. Oh, so November 11th is Veterans Day. The 11th day of the 11th month and the 11th hour. I read this somewhere recently. Oh, does that relate to yeah. something that happened yes. in World War Two? I think so. <laughs> uh, now I'm blanking, but that was a thing I recently read on Facebook, probably posted by my grandma. Um, and then Monday is the observed or Veterans Day. Or your grandpa. He is a veteran. No, I know, but it was definitely a grandma. I think Grandma Kuykendall who posted it. Uh, it's the anniversary of the end of World War One. Major hostilities of the war were formally mm. ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. There we go. Yay. So now you know. <laughs> it's, it now was in the, know. <laughs> the history for you but we just learned it i did not learn a whole lot about the movie hearts and minds uh, i learned may, like maybe two things one mm. one thing for one reason um normally we have a few more weeks between recordings <laughs> this time we don't put this on us <laughs> well i did <laughs> i did read a lot and listen to a lot of um, audiobooks but not about this movie specifically mm-hmm. and i had less time than usual Sure. But the two things that I did learn were that the name of the movie, which we saw in the movie, was yeah. Johnson's quote. Uh, he was basically saying the only way we could win the Vietnam War would depend on the hearts and minds of the people in Vietnam. Yeah. Later we get shock and awe. Later in history we get shock and awe is I the mean, thing we're doing. We still have hearts and minds yeah, perpetually being pushed. Making a face. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I learned about this movie was, oh, I read some essays about it that mm. came, they actually came with the DVD because it was the Criterion Collection or whatever. Sure. That was always and stuff. <laughs> one of the essays explained that this, that, and we saw this in the movie as well, that up until this point, the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong in particular, mm-hmm. had been dehumanized to the American people. And we saw, yeah, we, there's, you a, see it. there's a quote from a man towards the end of the movie, and I don't remember who that guy is, but I'm sure he was a government guy, American yeah. government guy. I wrote it down. I wrote down a lot of things. What did I write down? <laughs> you did write down a lot of things. I'm going to find this it. Is it where you're saying they're savages, basically? Basically. Yeah. He was, basi- he was saying the Oriental, here's what he said. Well, the Oriental doesn't put the same high price on life. And then he goes on to say that basically life is, means nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah, and that they were savages and whatnot. Well, and even that Quark guy who was going around when he was talking to the elementary school, and one of the kids asked him, you know, what, what's Vietnam like? And he was like, oh, it'd be beautiful if it wasn't for the people. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the vast majority of the soldiers that were that were interviewed, though, were people who had been in Vietnam and had come back, and their feelings had changed. Right. Mm-hmm. They had either bad experiences over there or just been like, I it was horrible and I don't know what we were doing. A couple of the people that they juxtaposed was Coker and a guy whose name I wrote down at the very end. With His name beard. was Eddie Souders. He didn't have a beard, I don't think. But he, oh. the other thing that I thought was, I mean, it's not funny. I also wrote down hair is very important. Yeah. So you could tell <laughs> which yep. people were on which side of the line mm-hmm. based on how much hair they had. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, one thing that was missing from this, there was I think there was only one woman interviewed, the mom. Well, there the... was that K woman. For oh, and K. She briefly yes. was there. She was in one scene. Um, so there were not there were not a whole lot of women Mm-mm. talking about their feelings about the war. Just the Vietnamese no, woman. I mean, I think. Oh sister. yeah, the Viet- there were Vietnamese women, many yeah. that, that were interviewed, but American women, not very many. Um, mostly, we got the story from ex-soldiers talking about their experiences. Yeah, and right. uh, and like, some current soldiers. In yeah. the, like at the time footage. Oh yeah, and in Vietnam. Yeah, that one. Right. There was one weird. I think his that was Colonel Patton, if I oh. remember it correctly. That guy. Uh, the guy, the weird General guy. Patton. Yeah. yeah. No, not General Patton. A different pattern? A different pattern. Patton the third? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that weird uh, he guy, was, yes. Yes, the, this middle-aged colonel who was helping to train the South Vietnamese to at towards the end of the war when mm-hmm. Nixon had made a plan to train the South Vietnamese so that they could fight their own war. And this colonel rolls up, and he's just bizarre. He just, he's just, I can't even explain how he's bizarre, really. He's just off. Yeah, there's something off he, about his expressions. He also used the word tremendous, which like now is such a, <laughs> a watch trigger word, word for me. <laughs> um, but they also interviewed that guy who was in the foxhole. And sort of oh, during yeah. the interview with him, he sort of yeah, kind of shifts his... Yeah, they're sort of asking him like, so do you think like we're supposed to be here? Or, I can't remember exactly what they right, asked him. But, but if you think about it, if they were interviewing a soldier, that means that soldier was cleared to be interviewed. Yeah. yeah. So he had to really watch what he was saying while he was scared and being bombed and trying not to say how yeah, terrible they were things were. Yeah, clearly in the middle of a firefight at the yeah. time because he turns yeah. right around and starts shooting at the end of the question. Right. But yeah, you can just sort of see his face as he's processing whether or not he actually believes in what he's doing yeah. anymore. He even understands kind of what's going on, yeah. which doesn't seem like they really do. Yeah, I think it's something like they just asked him if he believed it and he was like, yeah, I, do, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know what we're doing here. <laughs> right. It was, yeah. 
So one of the, the one of the things I kind of wanted to describe what the what one of the specific sh- soldiers, um, Souter, I think his name was. You don't you see it in bits and pieces over mm-hmm. the two hour period that you're watching the movie, but basically he goes from describing his job as a technician. And by technician, he means a guy who flies an airplane that drops bombs right. and that he is doing this technical job and mm-hmm. that he never sees the result right. of the work that he does. By the time he gets to the end, he brings it around to, you know, I never saw the children being napalmed. Right. I didn't drop napalm bombs, but I dropped something just as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I think about somebody napalming my own children, and He's then he kind fine. of breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that was a very hard movie to watch. It it kind of builds to it because mm-hmm. the first part, I mean, that's what makes it a good movie. The first, it starts with mostly them interviewing either high-level American officials or soldiers in the American army saying, here's what my job is like. Here's what well, it's like flying of, a bomber. The here's... beginning of it kind of establishes how the Vietnam War, it, there's, it's, it's somewhat history. It's like a history right. lesson. About this is what happened and then this happened. But it also follows the same tone where you hear them saying things like, we're, we're against communism. We have to stop communism. Otherwise, it'll come here. You know, the VCs will just be on our street. And right. And then they we, show and, and they'll bring of, the drugs and they're like, yeah. yeah. And, and they show the a fear. clip of Reagan, yeah. our favorite anti-communist mm-hmm. president. Yeah. Uh, but the movie kind of transitions at about the halfway point to then interviewing more of the Vietnamese people. And then by the end, wraps up by interviewing veterans mostly who are saying i don't like what i did or i have confusion or regret about what was going on yeah and you're you're also seeing uh, towards the end a a row of open graves that are being prepared for south vietnamese soldiers who have died and you see a small boy who is just wailing because his father's been killed and his mother the mother of the father who's been killed tries to get climb into the grave during Mm the right ceremony yeah, because the beginning starts with all is basically just all Americans being interviewed, and then it transitions to okay, and here's what the Vietnamese experience is like, and it's, I mean that scene where they interview the older woman with her sister is just heart wrenching, right? Because she's basically saying, well, the bombs were dropped, everybody, you know, my house is destroyed, everything I own is destroyed, everyone I know is dead, and my sister was killed. Yeah, there were there were three sisters. She now has to live with her. They're all elderly. Right. She's probably, I don't know, 60 or 70 at least. Well, the one that died was 79, and I think oh, the other so one was the older one. Probably yeah. in her 80s then, and she's basically saying, I'm old, I don't own anything, I have nothing. And I can't, I don't I have the means do to yeah. produce anything anymore to, and, to sustain myself. And they're interviewing a, a bunch of people who are kind of like, yeah, yeah, one guy was just like, I was a farmer, I had pigs, then the bomb was dropped, this is where my farm used to be. I just I have a right. stack of bricks. And just like the story that the soldier was telling about, you know, escalating from I'm a technician to what if someone napalmed my own children, there's a the the stories from the Vietnamese also escalate because we start with the guy whose pigs were bombed and you, he's showing you where his house used to be and there's nothing there. Yeah. But at the end, there's the guy who his daughter was killed and his son was killed and he points to the place where his mother and child died ch- children died and he's yelling yeah. and he's saying here take my daughter's fancy shirt and throw it in nixon's face because yeah she can't wear it anymore right yeah it's just yeah that you just see the just complete decimation of these people who are just 
mostly just farmers yep. and villagers, just agricultural people, kids and stuff, just being like, "Well, I don't and have you anything. see, you see, film of bombs being dropped on nothing farms, yeah, yeah on just stuff." Um, and I, I don't know a lot about the Vietnam War. I do know that. I think that the reason that they did that is because they thought they were harboring the Viet Cong, sure, and which they may or may not have been doing. But the other part of it is they were fighting for their liberation. They were fighting for freedom from... The French? Yeah, from the imperialism, basically. And we were helping the imperialists. I think as a millennial, uh, I can't help but watch this movie and think of the Iraq and (laughs) Afghanistan wars, which are still ongoing. Were we not liberators? I'm confused. (laughs) I'm like... Any day now, that's what I was that told. We'll win, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, you don't even—it's completely phased out of the news. I part of me wonders that if it's just there was no draft, so it's mm-hmm. just completely. I think the draft is the a big comp. part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that the draft, because the draft was somewhat random. <laughs> I mean, high uh, wealthy white boys could get mm-hmm. out of it, yeah. And there were other ways of escaping, getting married. Um, one of the stories I listened to. I listened to a couple of books, and this that everything that I listened to pretty much applies to both the movies that we watched, because it was really just, I wanted to read things from that time period. I was reading a book by Norman Mailer that covered both the Republican and, and Democratic conventions from 68, and I was uh, reading Slouching Towards Bethlehem, which is a series of essays written by Joan Didion over the, that same period of time, basically mm-hmm. the late 60s. What's weird and interesting about her stories is she'll start by talking about something in a very mundane way, mm-hmm. and she never gets to the, well, not never, but she doesn't get to the point of what she's why she's talking about this mundane thing until the end. And so she, one of the essays is about Las Vegas, and towards the end of the essay, she talks about the last day that you could get married before that, that would prevent you from being drafted, because apparently it changed. Oh. So at one point in time, if you were married, you were you were exempt exempt from the draft. Mm-hmm. But they changed that rule, and so there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in Las Vegas, young people in Las Vegas, getting married on the last day. Gotcha. To the extent that the guy who was doing the you know the minister who was doing these hundreds of mm-hmm. marriages said, "I could have done them in mass, but you know it's a wedding." <laughs> and, and he got it down to like 30 seconds per couple. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to, like, it, on the one hand, it's hard to wrap my mind around what Vietnam was like. And on the other hand, it's like still people mm-hmm. at war. I, you know, now I'm reading about people who are currently fighting whose parents were, were fighting, veterans yeah. from the same war. Yeah, one of the um, podcasts I listened to, I think it was Hysteria. She just, one of the hosts offhandedly said, oh, our war is now one year away from being old enough to vote. It's 17 years. Right. Yeah, you can be a, you could have been a veteran in Afghanistan or Iraq and your children are now there, which is terrifying because what what's going on over there? Who knows? No, no idea. We're just over there forever. Uh, it's slid down the list of priorities down right. to nowhere to the into the hundreds or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so it is difficult, I think, to watch these Vietnamese or the Vietnam War s- stuff without thinking of that. Well, this movie had this great juxtaposition where they kept going to um, intersplicing coverage of football games yeah. mm-hmm. and sort of 
making the war like a metaphor of just people rooting for their teams and not really knowing what they were rooting for. And it sort of showed the difference between how gung-ho America was, uh, you know, for being in this war and being on the right side. And then when um, all the vets came back and were sort of starting to speak out against it and then everybody sort of turned on them. Mm-hmm. and didn't really want to hear their stories and one of the vets talks about how you know like i'm not going to stop talking about this i know it's horrific and you don't want to hear it but i have to live with it so you get to hear all these stories too right yeah it's it's hard also you know in our family at least vietnam is kind of the thing that people are vets of mm. <laughs> just age-wise i would say for oh, the most part my dad you mean and uncle jack oh yeah um yep I think Uncle Elliot is World War Two. He's the only one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's about ten years older. Yeah, and he is one of the last, probably one of the last living veterans of World War Two. Yeah, I would think so. Shout out to Uncle Elliot. He probably doesn't listen to this <laughs> happy podcast. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Yeah, I just that this is the one that I. That's that is the war that is still relevant in at least my my lifetime. Well, your brother was in your brother, my my brother, brother. (laughs) my brother. He didn't. I don't believe he was in the army in Afghanistan, but he definitely has been to Afghanistan a few times. That's right. (laughs) I was going to I guess what I mean is the oldest Mm -hmm. war that I still have some living connection to is mostly Vietnam and and Uncle Elliot. And my my friend's dad was also a Vietnam vet. So it's just like that. That has some relevance floating around. One of the things that I thought about too was that, and this also applies to both movies, I think, is that it's sh- one of the reasons that this part of history is so interesting right now is that we were divided, yeah. like very significantly divided between mostly like between young people and Older I, folks. the white middle class, it seems like, or maybe just j- establishment people. I mean, I think middle class might also be giving upper class folks <laughs> no that's true because um, <laughs> it's just white people well and and i think the people that stuck with nixon the longest you know when things got when things became clear mm-hmm. that he had done done bad stuff a lot of working people i don't know if a lot of working people but working people stuck with him they he was still white our president. working people right white people. that's the clarification again right you're right <laughs> absolutely i mean he was the he was he ran yeah. on a law and order ticket so yes white people yeah I, the term working class gets conflated for white working class a lot but that's not right. accurate that well, working I mean, class is not a racial category to be fair to admit that most of the time when i say something <laughs> it really just means white people yeah that's i just right. i just don't i'm not aware that i'm yeah. forgetting that adverb is that an adverb no adjective yeah but i'll yeah i'm trying to catch you on that one because it's just it's stupid everything every news article you read is stupid that way so mm-hmm. yeah we can do a little better but in in the same respect um another similarity is that communism is still this sure. you know scapegoat and this sort of scary boogeyman that's the trotted Russians? out yeah like <laughs> no well, not just that no it's any sort that's, of yeah, progressive China. liberal right. anti-government stance is mm-hmm. oh no the communists they're communists they right have... or socialists we Socialist, brought yeah. socialists into the <laughs> it's and the it... difference between them now is not clear <laughs> nope no because the people who are against them are only against a boogeyman they're not actually yeah. clear on what concepts they're that that's Awesome, that horrible team up from World War II of Russia and Germany, <laughs> of the two most, those yeah. two powers who are crushing us now. Yeah, yeah, it's just a big catch-all for anybody I don't agree with on the left. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anywhere. Just anybody well, I, don't, I don't agree with. I don't know if I've ever called anybody on the right a communist. Right. <laughs> it's, it is a thing that has been, uh, people on the left 
liberals have been accused of being socialists and communists since, I don't know, the 20s, maybe before that even. Mm -hmm. Just wearing eyeglasses and reading a book makes you a target. (laughs) Poindexter? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is a good, this was a good movie. Mm -hmm. It was very hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. It's not delicate. It's in your face. No, it just switches back and forth and back and forth between... Here's what some here's what this guy said, and then here's this other thing that proves that that's wrong. And here's yeah, and but you there's see just... there's the government officials that are pro war that are trying to explain why this was a good thing and why they were so weasley. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that one. It's the one guy who was just so angry about getting questioned. Yep, and his tactic was to be like, "Well, that's a stupid question." Mm-hmm. I was like, that's just that's just such a sophomoric concept. You really, I mean, I didn't think I was gonna have to answer a question. I mean, I will, I will, I can explain it to you. I just, this is just such common knowledge. And the yeah. guy was like, okay, then answer <laughs> the question, and he couldn't. He still couldn't answer the question. Like, oh, and it's it's, I don't know. It's a period of history I was not alive for, but like a lot of the culture that I am familiar mm-hmm. with is from that era. So it's just fascinating to me watching stuff from that time, thinking like, wonder. What I would have thought back then, I've been listening to a lot of old Black Sabbath music, and it's like they are very anti-Vietnam War in their music. And I'm just like, what would that have been like for them? What was the experience they mm. were having? But good movie. Yeah, yeah, would recommend. Very hard, I don't know, really extremely good documentary. Just hard to watch. And it won the Academy Award. Did I say it. that already? You mm-hmm. did. <laughs> still relevant. It's all relevant, <laughs> unfortunately. I wish it wasn't. Do you want to talk about the other movie that is... Yeah less affecting it should have been stylistically not yeah Yeah. the disappointment is what it was yeah Yeah, it was especially with the talent that was in it and Mm -hmm. like there were some good parts good soundtrack (laughs) yeah there were parts where i really liked it parts where i was like what am i watching this is dumb it was just a little artsy it did have a good soundtrack it wasn't artsy enough (laughs) (laughs) it was silly in parts where i was like this isn't funny well i think they were trying to capture sort of capture abby hoffman yeah who who was definitely comedic in his yeah. some of the stuff that he did he was definitely but the stuff being portrayed was not funny so it was not this was not it did not, not come across as satire no right it, and it I, was such a serious like injustice that was occurring and right it was yeah. kind of stark to sort of yeah see them treat it goofy we'll get to it but the ending especially was like the epitome of it where <sighs> it's like goofy music playing as they're like and he was sentenced to Two years in prison. Yeah. It was like, that's not funny. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. So it was the trial of the Chicago 10. Yeah. I listened to a recording. It wasn't a play exactly. It was kind of like a radio show. Um, I think there had been a play in the late 2000s or so that had played in London that was like they took pieces of the transcript of the trial mm-hmm. and they and they acted it out. Um, and so I listened to something that was from the late 2000s. Paul Schwimmer played the Abby Hoffman role. Who's Paul Schwimmer? No, not Paul Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. <laughs> <laughs> David yes, Schwimmer. Ross. <laughs> Ross played Abby Hoffman. Um, That's hilarious. That just alone is hilarious. There were other uh, actors whose names I can't remember right now. Um, <laughs> and so you know the rest of the story. But they, they did the transcript, but they also interspliced actual interviews with like Bobby Seale and... Mm. Uh, like this know. movie. Kind of like this movie. Yeah. It was much... It, was it shorter? It might have been a little bit longer, actually, than the oh. movie. And maybe it's the thing that caused them... That caused somebody to think about making this movie. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot more clear how unjust the trial was. <laughs> See, that wouldn't take much. The other thing that I got was a book 
um, that is the transcript of the trial with mm -hmm. some drawings. Um, I can't remember the name of the book now, of course. Maybe, yeah, I don't remember. But it was published at like right after the trial. And so you can actually read. And the, the injustice started immediately. Started during jury selection when apparently someone, one of them had received a letter supposedly from the Black Panthers, hmm. a, sort of a Jeez. threatening letter. And this was like a jury member. And I don't remember exactly what transpired other than that. They kept the conservative lady, but they let the long hair lady, uh, she oh, was great. dismissed sure. as a result of whatever the thing was that came up from this letter. And, well, let's, let's, and, and then there was the opening arguments. And well, even let's just give some context for the, the trial before right. we dive into the opening right. arguments. So the trial of the Chicago 10 is about, during the 1968 convention, as we know from having watched Medium Cool and yeah. uh, Punishment, no, not Punishment Park, but Medium Cool especially, yeah. um, there were riots. Uh, and they were deemed to be a police riot ultimately after they analyzed the everything. What happened, yeah. Right. But there were some leaders of various counterculture groups there like mm -hmm. abby hoffman who was one of the founders of the yippies yippies <laughs> uh, jerry rubin who i think also was a yippie uh, um bobby seal was the bobby seal was a black panther yeah. leader but he was like chairman something he was way up there in the black panther Wait, let me get my papers oh they're already here okay yeah. so dellinger was a member of mob which was like mobilization against the war or something like mm -hmm. that i think he was one of the older ones bad acronym Mob, M O B. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Yippie's not great either. No, they're both bad. Black oh. Panther's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Ed Sanders, he was also a Yippie, which stands for Youth In International Party. And mm -hmm. uh, Rennie Davis was also a member of Mob. Rennie Davis was, I think, Dr. Venture. By oh. the way, from our earlier conversation of voice actors who I recognize. Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of famous people doing voices and also some and also not voice famous actors. people. Uh, and then there was Tom Hayden. I was a little confused because there was a one of the witnesses was played by Norman Mailer. Yes, except that Norman Mailer's also right part of it. Norman Mailer, but it wasn't the same Norman Mailer. No, it was just a guy named Norman Mailer who could maybe be his grandson, but could not be Norman Mailer. Uh, so the there were a bunch of counterculture groups in the in the story of the movie. It's mostly the yippies. There's basically a whole bunch of white, mostly white. Uh, I think that's because Abby Hoffman folks. was pretty famous. And they are all going to crash at a big park in Chicago. can't remember the name of the park. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. They're there. They have permission to be there, but not permission to sp spend the night. They are. Some of them decide to spend the night, and the cops come and raid it, and a person gets... Is it Abby gets arrested? Somebody uh, gets no. arrested. It was Dellinger, I think. And then there is a march to the... No, it was Tom Hayden, I think. Goes to the jailhouse to be like, free this guy. This right. sucks. We're going to go yell at him. But it was basically four days of intermittent violence yeah. that, that occurred during the all during the convention, which lasted for about four days. And at least in the form of the movie, and I assume also in real life, it was basically the police came and just started beating people. Right. And, and they, were, they were doing it. They were well, doing very little. Right. What we saw in, in Medium Cool, we saw them training for it. Same and, footage. Yeah. Again, and they used, it, they did use some of the same foot. Oh, yeah. They they showed the film of that general mm -hmm. that we saw in Premium Cool. And then also some of the training footage yeah. for the National Guard. But it was mostly the police. In this movie, the, yeah. the scenes that they showed were definitely Chicago police. And they would... Not great. No. They were... <laughs> they were bad. <laughs> they were hyped up and ready to hit people with and their they did. sticks. Yeah. Women didn't matter. 
just, just whoever. anyone who's around yeah uh and so the movie jumps between here's the events going on in the park and the ensuing riots and police violence and here's what the trial of the chicago 10 was like which takes place six months later ten months it later. it took place in 1969 that's all i know for sure i think they say 10 months later and it is basically a bunch of leaders of these various groups on trial for crossing state lines to incite violence they're on charge for conspiracy yeah. conspiracy they're... oh you're right yes. conspiracy conspiring to riot mm-hmm. yes right. and so they're on trial and all the crazy behavior that happens right. during the trial well and it happens because they are counterculture they're specifically mm-hmm. counterculture several of them mm-hmm. it's like abby hoffman in particular and jerry rubin in particular you know because a couple of the others are like i'm a professor and a pacifist i mm-hmm. and i will say things that you don't want me to say but i'm not gonna Do be anything. crazy like abby hoffman and jerry rubin who at one point yeah. come in in judges robes <laughs> when they come into the court although um, i don't think i feel like Abby Hoffman, at the very least, he's also nonviolent in terms oh, of his. I don't think any of them were violent. I don't think any of them were yeah, violent. They're all fairly. He he's willing to tweak people's. They like, want to disrupt. Yeah, but they're not violent in any way. Unlike yeah, unlike the weathermen who actually right. blew things up. Abby Hoffman, uh, for example, wrote a book called "Steal This Book." Which yeah, he, book. it was very hard for him to find a publisher for a book called <laughs> yeah. this book. Yeah. But he did eventually. And it is I have it. It's um Did you steal it? I did not steal it. No. I paid for it. Boring. <laughs> I'd have had to find a place to steal it from. Yeah, though. that would be hard to steal it. It makes sense that it's called Steal This Book because it it is a guidebook for how to live free, like mm. for no money. How yeah. to live for no money. Freeganism. <laughs> yeah, you're freegan. How to make free phone calls, which wouldn't work today with our technology, but um, you know, basically for kids who want to not support the society that they are living in. Yeah. And then also there's about how to disrupt society. And also before we dig in too much about the movie, just kind of in the setup to it, they also make it very clear from both historical facts and the interview that Bobby Seale, who uh, really had almost no inter- like involvement in the riots no he was in his... chicago for two hours they said yeah he, he gave yeah. a couple of speeches yeah and he he was in there and then he flew out and then got an indictment later and was like he was in sweden when he found out that he was being indicted yeah something like, like come that. back to chicago for your trial right something i was reading i was reading an excerpt from a book that somebody who covered the trial wrote not norman mailer and he was mostly talking about how bobby seal was handled so basically, mm-hmm. he was in California, in, in jail. They had him jailed in California. There was some legal stuff that meant that they didn't want him to fly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. They were afraid he was going to be kidnapped or something. So he was basically chained all the way from California to Chicago mm-hmm. as they drove him cross country. Bobby Seale, the only black person. The only black on descendant. Yeah. It was just like nine white guys. And then uh, he had his own lawyer. I can't remember his lawyer's name, but his lawyer got to, had a gallbladder problem. Oh, is that what happened? Because the movie doesn't make it clear exactly Yes, what. he had to go. His doctor said, you can't wait for this till after the trial. And so Bobby Seale and his lawyer asked for a stay because mm-hmm. his lawyer could not be there to represent him. Of course, he was denied. Yeah, he was railroaded Shocking. through this whole trial. Yep. Um, so that is the context for which they set up this trial. Uh, the way the movie is shot is it jumps between mostly live footage of the riots and the stuff around it and interviews with the major players. And then these somewhat crazy animated sequences of the trial courtroom experience. And then other animated sequences of other events, but with the live 
audio footage of these people. Um, in the trial, those animated sequences, they're all voiced by generally famous people with weird voices that are hard <laughs> to ignore. Yeah. So we have uh, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo was Jerry Rubin. Yeah. Uh, Hank Azaria was <laughs> Distinctively. As I text, text Nicole and my mom going, it's Mo, it's Mo Sislak. He's in this movie. And my mom's like, no, this is actually a very important historical figure. <laughs> He's not like Mo at all. He's like Mo in that he is Mo's voice exactly, and also is a uh, short guy with a big curly hair, big curly head of hair in the cartoon version. Uh, it's also got uh, Nick Nolte as the prosecutor. Prosecutor. Um, I recognize Doctor Venture as Rennie, I think, and Jeffrey Wright as Bobby Seal, who was also in the Venture Brothers briefly. Um, Roy Schneider was the judge. Yes. Yep. And he oh. did a voice for yes, it. Yes, he did. <laughs> a lot of them did voices. Nick Nolte just always does a voice. <laughs> His voice. Lee Schreiber was the defense attorney. Yeah. There were actually two defense attorneys. There was the scene where they were trying to do the memorial. Remembrance. Remembrance for the Vietnam War. People who died in the Vietnam War. Both both Vietnamese people and American people. Mm-hmm. And um, what they had planned to do, so the defense attorneys and all the defendants were wearing black armbands. They had a Mm -hmm. Viet Cong flag and an American flag on their table in the courtroom. This was before the judge entered. And they Mm -hmm. were going to read a list of the names that had died, uh, names of people who had died that week in Vietnam. And then the judge comes in and they order the uh, guards to take the Viet Cong flag away Mm -hmm. and stop them from... uh, honoring this day yes. of uh, memorial or whatever it was and called. he yells at the defense attorney because he's the defense attorney's wearing a black armband. Right. Uh, well, the prosecutor starts calling him yeah. a mouthpiece. Right. And then they get into a little... Don't call me a mouthpiece. Scuffle about it. So if you read the transcript, basically every time the prosecutor objects to something, it is sustained. <laughs> and every time the defense attorney objects to something, it is denied. And that's yeah. just blanket. There's no... Even when it's something clearly that should be objected to or should not be objected to, like just dumb stuff, the judge always sides with the prosecutor, never with the defense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bobby Seale's attorney's not there, so he has to represent himself. That's denied. He's then represented by the same defense attorney as everybody else. He's dragged out of the court several times and is He's eventually gagged, gagged and chained. <laughs> bound, yeah. Uh, which causes a lot of uh, disruption by the other defendants who are saying this is unfair this is a mess yep at one point the prosecutor objects and the defendants all say i sustain the objection because (laughs) they just know that that's exactly apparently the judge also habitually called wine class i think his name the other lawyer oh yeah uh just called him a random assortment of other names Mm -hmm. right it to the point where i think it was abby hoffman or one of the others made a little a postcard with his name on it so he would hold it up for the judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie, I don't know how else to, I mean, we can talk about what happens in the story. It's not, I mean, it's there's the trial where things go very badly for the defendants because the judge is against them from the get-go. Unjust. Yeah, the judge is bad and against them from the get-go. It Were also, they... it, was, it was one of those things that also showed you, I think, the division... In, in that in that time period, the division was between the um, extreme civility of the 1950s, which I've been told the result that resulted from people coming back from World War II and not wanting to talk about men. 
right. coming back from World War II, not wanting to talk about their experiences, and it created this culture of extreme. Uh, I'm just going to use the word civility because I think it applies. Sure. Which is why like you know, stoicism. Stoicism. It's, yeah. Uh, but but that decorum. is decorum. Kind of, and decorum. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say it's not civil. It is not asking about those things, right? It's because people don't want to talk about it, so they have a lot of Polite. stuff to talk about, a lot of right. small talk to be made. And everything's very uh, neat and tidy, and, yeah, you know, you come home from work and your wife gives you a martini or whatever. Yay. That's kind of what, I mean, that's what it looks like to me, and just in the fashion, too. So when mm. you see Abby Hoffman sort of harassing that middle-aged lady on the street. That's, <laughs> that's a fun scene, though. Yeah. She seems like she's having fun. She ha- She is having fun part of the time, but she's also trying to defend her yeah. uh, decorum. Yeah, that's Her sense right. of decorum. She thinks he's funny, but she doesn't like what he's saying. She tells no. him to cut his hair. <laughs> right. But it's cute because he keeps asking her why. Like, he's sort of challenging her ideas without being too, you know, And she's kind of game about for it, it a little yeah. bit. She's not, she's playing with him a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that was a fun scene. Yeah. but this, in, The but real I, life scenes were fun. But I'm so, kind of trying to say that in, in both movies and in all the other movies that we've watched about this event yeah including punishment park it's basically the establishment versus people who are really working hard to change it by Mm -hmm. being everything that it's not so letting their hair grow and wearing weird clothes and using lots of drugs and not being polite and swearing openly swearing right that's right and you see that in the courtroom specific it very uh, very starkly between the judge the prosecutor and the defendants and it's the i'm just gonna say which is that the weird cartoon sequences in the courtroom i found to be terrible and Mm -hmm. weirdly weirdly off like tonally just off completely and then the live action the footage of the protests and the interviews with the actual people i thought were really fascinating and interesting and cool to see there was one scene one animated scene that i liked (laughs) (laughs) i i which one the Style of the animation was to be just, it was just ugly. It was gross. Yeah, and it was it bad. It looked like bad computer yes. animation. It 100%. was bad computer animation, for yeah. sure. But there was this one scene where he's in a phone booth, and it's the, uh, the phone booth is kind of foggy, and there's like rain oh, yeah. sliding down, and there's like trees around. So you don't see him. So you right. don't see the badly animated Abby Hoffman. You just see this scene, and it is animated. But you it's also this? his actual voice, yeah. I believe, and which and it's helps an actual recorded too. phone call. Because there's, you see, several times in the movie towards some, t- towards the end, a little bit, Abby Hoffman starts making calls to a radio show, mm-hmm. and you, that's all recorded, yeah. so you get to hear his conversation with the rodeo radio host. Rodeo host with the rodeo host. <laughs> yeah, those are good because you actually get an impression of what Abby Hoffman's like and why people would want to talk to him. The weird animated courtroom sequences. It's like very goofy and there's little flourishes that i found distracting there's a scene where some one of the defendants throws a paper airplane and like the camera follows the paper airplane and then it bounces off the uh like (laughs) jury's table no it's the it's somebody's uh testifying and it bounces off the testimony the test where he's sitting but it's like oh did that happen was there some meaning to this it's just a weird little flourish that i found both distracting and look bad (laughs) well and it's hard because there's so much overt injustice happening during Mm -hmm. the trial and to sort of tonally not acknowledge that was really frustrating well i did i read that the reason that they used 
animation. I can't say a cartoon because it wasn't really a cartoon. It was, it was 3D, definitely yeah, it was computer, computer generated. generated. Animation. It was a bad the, Simpsons episode. But the reason that they chose to animate it was because it the trial had been described as a cartoon. It would have been better had they used a style that made that was Good. not quite so offensive. I've watched cartoons that are effective you could do <laughs> yeah. an animated version of a trial that would make you sad at the end because right. of the injustice what was that one uh, it's it's like black mostly black and white uh, i think it's maybe from saudi arabia oh yeah well anyway that one yeah. was beautifully sure. animated like like a storybook or something sure any kind of style but this and you know they had money they had yeah they had lots of stars they in had this ruffalo movie. money yeah they had ruffalo there's, money there's so many good animated things out there in the world nowadays adventure time is goofy and funny and cartoony but also poignant at times that's not impossible to right do. yeah the, the animation was very distracting and the voices i found honestly distracting right because it wasn't they're playing real people and yet yeah. they they cartooned it up. They, they really Some just, of them did. And yeah. Some of them didn't. And I found that really distracting. It was really distracting because, yeah, it made it feel not real. And this is a real thing that was happening. And to sort of take you out of that moment sort of gives you permission to not understand the severity of it. Yeah. And I don't enjoy that. Yeah. And I, I know you said you liked the soundtrack, but I often found it very distracting. Well, yes, stupid. because it was used over the horrible animation. Yeah. It's like it rage, rage Against the Machine <laughs> playing while I dumb cgi guy yeah. like goofs around is really bad because it's appropriate music it's just used over really bad animation yeah. so it it's just they used what they, there was an eminem song mm-hmm. in there which was about war but i don't mm-hmm. know what war it was about i think it was about um the iraq war yeah i assume uh they played rage against the machine at the beginning which i thought was immediately silly. i think they had a black sabbath song too didn't they yep. they did they definitely did um might have been War Pigs. That's the famous one. You know, there was some animation that wasn't quite the same style, too. Yeah, there was. It was more like the, I don't know, it made me think of Lord of the Rings scenes where there's big armies. Because the scenes in the park, not Lord of the Rings the movie, but the animated Yeah, one, right. There is a two-dimensional animated sequence where Abby Hoffman is giving a speech in front of like a big American flag. And that is animated with cartoons as opposed to cgi which i thought was fine yeah it was much better although also was better because it was a abstract sequence and not much like the picture of the phobo was not meant to recreate the inside Mm -hmm. of a courtroom which they did not have the ability to do yeah it's interesting because they almost could have just had all these actors like reenact yeah they could that's what i was thinking like more effective well and that is kind of what the thing that i this the little radio play that i listened to there were no extreme voices Mm -mm. and they were really just reading the transcript and when they weren't reading the transcript it was actually people talking they did an interview with bobby seal which was Mm -hmm. you know asking him how he felt about you know what happened and he he really was just he seemed fine like it wasn't he wasn't he didn't sound angry or i think surprising I think well, it's very it was bad probably because it just—it was just, just another thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, I guess it was all bad. Yeah, it is to be expected. I think. Did we say what the outcome of the trial was? So one one thing that happened during the trial is Bobby Seal was separated from it eventually yeah, after they severed the trial. After they gained, after they tied him up, and the judge got tired of him. I guess they separated him out into his own trial. Yeah. Uh, everybody got obstruction of justice no no they were all um, <laughs> not, not guilty on the conspiracy charges but guilty on the violating the anti-riot act five yes. of them five of them uh, were found guilty of crossing straight state no you're right 
No, that's crossing straight lines to incite a riot, right? Mm-hmm. Just the anti-riot act, yeah. yeah. And it is worth, and a lot of them were held in contempt. All of, and then all of them, including the lawyers. Which were. is to clarify <laughs> things that the judge could do without a jury. Right. Right. And also, the jury did not find him guilty of many of the charges. So he, and he waited till the end of the trial to give them their contempt of court sentences. Mm-hmm. Of course he did. Which were extreme. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I think one of the lawyers got four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who got the highest amount, of course, was Bobby <laughs> Seale. Yeah. But when it went to appeal, because he had waited to the end of the trial, that somehow violated something. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm well, sure yeah, I'm, it among, so, among other things. Right. <laughs> um, aside from just being a racist and also not... Being a bad... Well, not they, being and they a, ended up repealing a, the Anti-Riot Act. Right. And, yeah, so the Seventh Circuit said, just kidding, guys, you can go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after were, years in jail, yeah, all the trial, all the charges were reversed. Yeah, eventually, not charges, all the uh, sentences, convictions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Bobby Seale was at least in prison for two years before right. any of that. And it's played over some goofy music, like the end of uh, Animal House, <laughs> as you see what happened yeah. to all of them, which is they all went to jail. Like, four isn't this novel? Years. It's like that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mess. Yeah. He comes out and gives this speech at the end to a large crowd, but I didn't know where he was at the time. Did either of you look that up? Oh yeah, they have. It was live footage of yeah. him giving a speech. There was a. It was a big subtitle. amphitheater. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, of all the times when a little like title card would have been nice, right? <laughs> would have been this explanation of where he is at this time. It was not a good movie. It was a good idea for a movie. It's a great story. It's yeah. not a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it deserves to have a movie. And I if guess you, there if you was could watch one. it with your eyes closed, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> just listen but the to the footage. Are still bad. Yeah, just listen to the footage, the real footage of I, it. I, found oh, the I also read about the reason why the guy made the movie. <clears throat> I can't remember the director's name. Mm-hmm. Brett something. He made this movie because he felt that uh, young people weren't weren't mad enough about probably the Afghan war, sure. Afghanistan war. Yeah. Prob- so he his purpose was to show young people why, <laughs> you know, what it was like in the in the late sixties when yeah kids were fighting against something and succeeding, except. They didn't really succeed because the war went on for years after that. But they were doing, they were making progress. They were trying. Yeah. I mean, I found the worst, honestly, the worst parts of that movie were when the prosecuting attorney and the judge and the defense attorney were talking because it's Nick Nolte as the prosecuting attorney with his crazy voice, the judge doing a cartoon person's voice, and the defense <laughs> attorney who just was being a regular, having, it was Leif Shriver doing a regular person voice. Right. And it was just like, this is, they didn't even talk about this ahead of time to agree on how goofy they were going to be. Well, maybe they recorded it the way they recorded Star Trek cartoons. Where they just all be in different rooms. Yeah, where they all just got Probably. a tape recorder and said their lines. Yeah, it seemed that way because it was just like, this is terrible. This is all clashing and impossible. To, not a good one. Just watch the Hearts and Minds documentary. Skip this. Skip the Chicago 10. But you should learn about the Chicago 10. Yeah. Maybe read just, a just book Just fast forward the courtroom it. scenes. Like, watch the real footage. Because the stuff from the actual outside the convention with, you know, watching how brutal the police were. Like, it's still yeah. all good footage to really understand what was going on. YouTube this. YouTube Abby Hoffman, Bobby Seale, Randy Davis, the Chicago 10. Yeah. You, there's lots of YouTube videos of... Um, Abby Hoffman saying stuff. He was fun. Like mm-hmm. anytime they cut to him in real life, it was like, yeah. oh, this guy, I can see why people were interested in what he had to say. Yeah, you really gravitate lively. towards him. Yeah. Yeah, you do. 
give the election was this week. <laughs> mention yeah. stuff in the news at I all. Guess, yeah. I guess moving on. Yeah. yeah, the election was on Tuesday, today, Saturday. There, there was a blue wave. Yeah. There was a blue wave. Getting kind of bigger as days have gone by. More people have won than we thought at first. Yeah. And more is to come. It was kind of interesting yeah. leading up to it. I mean, I just, the last two weeks before the before the election we're like uh where is it ever gonna are we ever gonna get there i need yeah. this to be over and also not bad <laughs> i also don't want to die right also not bad but then uh unlike all the other like all the special elections where i've watched like a hawk the returns coming in like in one case i was at a i was at a drag show <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember which which special election it was but in the middle of it one of the drag queens came out and said he won Yay! <laughs> Woo! it was probably doug jones i my guess i don't remember which one it was yeah but you know so all the special elections it was like i need to know i need to know i'm just gonna keep looking at my mm-hmm. phone and find out how what's happening but for this, I was like, I'm not going to watch anything on election day. No, it's hard no, thank because you. It rolls in from red first, <laughs> you know. Right. So you're sitting through red all of these returns, and Florida is year after year frustrating to watch. Always so, bad. yeah, yeah. And I, I skipped looking at the returns, but I did. All my my high school friends and I were doing like, well, what do you want to have happen? Where's your not what your money's on? Like, what do you think's going to happen? But like, what are the ones you're looking for? And I was like, I want. The Democrats take back the House, mm-hmm. and I want Dino Rossi to lose, yes. and I want Ted Cruz to lose. Mm-hmm. And I got two out of the three yeah. I wanted, and I felt pretty good about that. And the Cruz thing was so close. It like, was. Yeah. And just... Beto seemed to have pulled some other candidates up yes, by his exactly. running, and I was like, okay, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, so. I was listening to, I guess, a Democratic strategist, or maybe a pollster. He mm-hmm. was talking about Texas and how it is changing demographically and now they have established because of Beto's run they have established an organization that's ready to do the next campaign something that they didn't have before at least not to the extent that they have it now so with the demographics changing and with having systems in place there's a good chance eventually Texas will kind of seems like it well and not only that but what's really important is the more these local elections are won is the better chance we have of undoing the gerrymandering and making right. the actual contests more fair <laughs> right. and representative of the people who are living there. And that's huge because there's just so many numbers that you look at where you're like, oh, so we won by three million, but Senate, didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't end up actually winning. Seats, yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. so that's super hopeful. And I don't know, just the idea that Texas could be purple and maybe blue is... Mm-hmm. Huge, huge nationally. I mean, how how do Republicans win at that point? Well, unlike Florida, which is going potentially going red, who knows exactly how that's going to play out? But they fran- enfranchised a bunch of one point four <laughs> voters. That's going to yeah, make a enormous votes. difference for the next election. Like actual voters are willing to take some progressive positions, even if candidate wise, it's more of a mixed bag. So hopeful is, I guess. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> better and better than it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. could have been. I, my feelings have improved over the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. day of it was like, well, that's what we thought we could do, and now it's like, oh, well, hmm, hmm maybe we did better than that. Yeah. Well, and the the best thing is that when now that we have the control of the house again, it's just such a stopgap on any sort of these 
check marks or just I hope yeah so. just you know rubber stamping any of these policies that are horrific right. you know it's just enough to we might be able not be able to pass any legislature on our own <laughs> sure. but just to be able to stop some of the awful stuff that was coming out is leaps and bounds improvement yeah it's my hope i really hope that the democrats get their act together now that they have a little and bit i of don't want to see any of this like well let's compromise no and reach across the aisle and maybe they'll be no but that's what know. nancy pelosi said well she might not, <laughs> not be, be the speaker <laughs> that's because people don't want to hear that happy with her. it's like listen lucy <laughs> like, yeah. well, stop pulling this football out from under us however i mean there's a good reason for her to say it not to do it but oh, to sure. say it because we we are extremely divided people have expectations <laughs> people have expectations what yeah, a vague yeah, statement yeah, yeah. but here's no the i thing. mean that we have people who have i want a democratic mind. mitch mcconnell <laughs> I, yeah exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say sucks and is mean and i and want someone who's bitter. just gonna come right out and be like nope we're stopping everything they're doing that is our no, position <laughs> i'm not saying she should compromise i'm just saying Ugh. but he's but, not held to the same standard he right, can come right out problem. and say like nope we're not working with them and nobody's like well that doesn't seem it's, very politically savvy everyone's yeah, like oh look at his bold leadership genius he yeah is. but like if yeah but he's not a woman yeah there's that. <laughs> well then, but then time to replace her i guess <laughs> yeah, sorry nancy I, mean, I just yeah yeah she's we need a different person in there sorry and then we need somebody who's really mean i'd take two years of someone really mean Mm-hmm. If we want let's, to get... let's put Maxine Waters yeah. in charge. Oh, yeah. How like great would that be? That would be amazing. That like, would be great. Trump already hates her. Like, yeah, that's what I want. I want somebody who just hates and, his guts. Yeah, and it's somebody who like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if that riles up Mm-mm. his base because they already hate black women anyway. So, yeah. Like... I want the person most ready to spite him purely out of spite. <laughs> Whoever that is, put him at the top. Yeah. We can change that ordering later if we need to. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. So hopeful out of that. Uh, there's a giant wildfire in California, just it's a couple destroying of them. everything, killing everyone. Uh, and the president says he says it's your fault. You didn't cut the trees back enough. Yeah, and except the like, what is it? Thirty, forty percent of the wildlife yeah, is federal all land. federal land anyway. Sure. Uh, the 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 town from Westworld burned down. The Bachelor Mansion burned down this morning. Hmm. Yeah, uh, all the horses in Malibu. Yeah, Alyssa Milano's yeah. horses are possibly dead at this point. It's not great. No. Yeah, well, the whole area is not designed for Mm-mm. speedy evacuation. It's nope. all canyons and two lane roads and. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's a disaster. A bunch of people got shot every day forever. Oh yeah. Which is bad. It's like that keeps happening so often that I keep forgetting. Yeah. There's more new every ones day. to talk about. Right. Almost every day. California this year. had a bad week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that barely even made the n- news. Sure. 11. That was 11, 12 people died. Mm-hmm. And oh. it was, I mean, there was too many other things happening, I guess. we There wasn't even the thoughts and prayers or. No, that one. Yeah. They just gave up this time. I And I almost wonder if it's because there was a. Was he a sheriff? No, he was an ex. He was a vet. No, no, no. The guy. Who oh, the died. guy that killed. Yeah, One of the guys that sheriff. got killed. He was a sheriff. Yeah. And I almost wonder if they were like, "Oh, well, how do we use the Whoops, good guy um, with a gun narrative if there definitely was a good guy with a gun there? Got shot. Who got like shot? And so they just 
were out of talking points. So their idea was just like, let's just not well, what talk about, about us? it. Well, and I, Why don't we talk about it? Because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I, I saw a very depressing chart on Twitter. You guys may have seen it about the, it was the Washington Post, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal. How many stories they published about the migrant caravan mm-hmm. day by day up to the election? It's like 5, 10, 25, yeah. 50, mm-hmm. zero. Yep. Like, oh, well, the election's over Trump didn't mention it, so I guess that story's over. It has no meaning anymore because... It was just all used to rile up fear. It was just pure garbage they were willing to post. Except he's still doubling down and wants to get rid of all the asylum now. Sure, yeah. So... No, he doesn't want birth rate citizenship. He doesn't want asylum. Didn't he, he doesn't want did anything. he sign an executive order for it already? I or think so. Yeah, it just looked said, like it. Yeah, but then, no more asylum. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, and I just, there's a great article in the New York Times today interviewing I think it the, was a little more specific than that, though. Oh, no, I think it was it anybody was crossing the border. Anyone who and, crossed illegally. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. like what you have to do to get asylum. You have to be here to ask for asylum. There's a great article in the New York Times from today, November 9th, 10th, 10th, 10th. Uh, <laughs> interviewing and talking to the soldier stationed at the southern border to defend the car to attack the caravan where they are passing out from heat exhaustion and digging ditches and eating MREs in like just outside of Houston. With very little power, apparently. Yeah. And it's just the great first paragraph where it's the poor soldier who's like, I picked this MRE because it has Skittles in it. And I can see the Whataburger outside the base, but we're not allowed to leave due to army regulations. Jeez. Well, and then there's all those civilians who are heading to the border as well. Oh, yeah. They're going to help. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll help Trump. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll do what he wants. Yeah, it's, the news is bad right now. Yeah, it's still pretty bad. We did an election thing. The election, yeah. it, it is we good. We did an election. It is good that everyone votes. Voting is not a solution to many problems. It was a good turnout, problems. too. It was, what, oh, like 60-something yeah, awesome. percent, 70-something percent? Like, yeah, rivaling amazing. actual. Uh, I think it was maybe the highest. Yeah. Highest since, midterms. Since... Like 1974 yeah, or something. So... Yeah, which is great. Which is awesome. It's just not a cure-all. And that's also considering, again, the massive amounts of voter suppression <laughs> right. that were happening. It's amazing. So, yeah, it's good job, everybody. <laughs> has some limits on how much good work you can do, but some. Yep. we got a long way to go, and it's not going to get better from here for a while. We're still not over the crest of the hill. People are really talking seriously about Beto for president. I don't. Oh, come on. I just want him to, like, continue to swing Texas. Yeah, somebody, I heard someone say he should just run for senator again in yeah. Texas. Sure. What's Cornyn? Is that the other guy? Yeah, don't. I know that the Democratic field is really barren right now, but I every time I hear Bernie, Biden, or Beto as the three names, it's like, Really? Well, if I had to pick between the three, I'd pick Beto. Yeah, I would, but I don't want to have to pick between those three. No. Can no. we have somebody who I like? Well, I mean, yeah. It would be nice to have somebody who wasn't... I I have, like, this list of things. Did we talk about this already? I don't think so. I want somebody who doesn't match all of this criteria. If they sure. match 100% of this criteria, then I don't want them. All right, let's hear the list. White. Uh-huh. Man. Yep. Old or middle-aged. Okay. Wealthy. Take sure. At, at least one of those things <laughs> should not apply okay. to the next candidate. Let's get somebody who isn't... I don't want Hillary again, though. No. She's off well, the list. Well, Hillary doesn't want to run either. And Good. there was that stupid, like, clickbaity article that made it sound like she wanted to run again. And it was that was really irritating to me because that was just a discussion that didn't need to happen and yeah. was pushed once again for yeah. reactionary people. Yeah, I don't like any of the... 
big names float. Because and the reason I don't like them is they are all people who have either ran and lost or had political power in the past, and it's like, why not just do it again? No, I don't want that. I don't want Biden to be up there well, because he's the vice president. He doesn't need another. But honestly, time. I don't even want to think about that he's for like old. at yeah. least another six months. Like, I just want to focus on I right now. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's the problem. Like, I the agree. longer this discussion is pushed, the more it, it becomes a distraction from yeah. everything else. It and is it's a just like, and then that's when all the infighting starts, and it's just not necessary. Yeah. Let's just not do it, guys. Let's just do, <laughs> be with me, guys. Let's just not do this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, six months sounds great. Let's yeah. just take a pause. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. <laughs> all right, well, let's do the plugs for things that are not depressing. Gosh, I don't know if I have anything new. It's only been two weeks, guys. <laughs> uh, Karen's been watching The Haunting of Hill House. Hey, do you love it? Uh, yeah, I do. Excellent. I didn't, she started watching it and I was like in the room sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I should watch that. Yeah. Keep a closer eye on this. This is awesome. <laughs> this is scary. Yay. So I've been enjoying that. Um, sounds like you were watching Kim's Convenience. Yep. After Kim's my Convenience. Recommendation. Jacob recommended it in the last episode. I mean, Karen really recommends it because I barely watched it, but it's great. Yeah. It's very funny. It's very, very funny. It's just very funny. It's, there's nothing yeah. serious about it. It's well, the they, last, they deal with stuff. The last up, yeah. The, there's a little bit of family strife, and and there is racism is handled directly pretty often. Yeah, it's a very di- diverse cast. Not just the family who are Korean, but also the people that come into their store. Yeah, and they deal with racist people as one of the ongoing like jokes or like ongoing <laughs> themes, right? That's really good. But the uh, the last episode of the first season was pretty poignant. But basically, it's just, it's mostly about the married couple, which I guess your dad said that there was a play oh. that they were, that they starred in, that couple that plays the married couple, and that this was developed uh, the from parents. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're really funny in that show. But it's, that's really good. That's a good show. The other thing that I discovered, I was looking for um, a podcast having to do with Abby Hoffman, just, mm-hmm. you know, to listen to while I was washing dishes or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there were not a lot to be found. But mm-hmm. one thing that I found was a, a, an older podcast. I think it ended in 2015. It's hosted by Paul F. Tompkins. There's about three seasons of it. And basically he plays H.G. Wells. He has a time machine and he travels through time and talks with dead authors and so one of the dead authors that he talked to was Abby Hoffman. So there's an episode of that. And it's all the same people that he typically interacts with. So mm-hmm. there's an episode with uh, Ackerman. Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman. God, I don't... Names. <laughs> you said this I to me names. earlier, so I knew what you were trying to say. <laughs> no. There was one where Christ- Kirsten, Schall? Kristen Schaal? Kristen Schaal. Kristen Schaal. She plays uh, Tennessee Williams. That's very funny. <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the comedian who played Abby Hoffman. It was a woman, and she's in that. She was in that um, that sitcom, the lesbian couple of stand-up comedians. Oh, was it um, Rhea Butcher or was it Cameron Esposito? No, it was Jen. Someone she was in the show as herself. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, but she was really good as Abby Hoffman. Um, well, I listened to several of those actually. They were funny. Where do you listen to them? Then? Uh, iTunes, just any available wherever. Yeah, I. Typically, if I want to go looking for something, because I look, you know, I'll just do a search for a subject that I want <laughs> Abby to, Hoffman. like Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. So I just search on, in my podcasting app mm. on my, you know, on all podcasts and it comes up with stuff. Um, well, I'm really excited because for the past two years, 
I felt like we've been living under <laughs> a really sad regime. And so I had to take a hiatus from watching Man in the High Castle. Yep. Because it was just too much. And so I'm excited to catch back up on that. Oh, you made it past, <laughs> made it through yeah. the, uh, yeah, so through the dark times. Season two, here I come. That's Great. pretty exciting. So let's replug that show. Okay. And then it hasn't come out yet, but um, same people who did The Night Manager are coming mm-hmm. out with a new limited series on amc called the little drummer girl and that yeah. looks great it's hmm. based on a spy novel so and i like amc seen. stuff they're usually spot on so i'll pre-plug that even though it hasn't come out yet <laughs> <Hope it's good. laughs> yeah <laughs> i saw that it was announced that avatar the last airbender is gonna have a live action series made by the original creators for netflix Hmm. Um, which I was very excited about, and it got me so excited I went and bought the Avatar The Last Airbender on Blu-ray, and Karen and I have been watching it. What a good show. What a delight. What a just an, a complete delight to watch. Do we not talk about the movie? No, we don't okay. talk about the movie. It doesn't <laughs> exist. Don't watch it. I believe that is the one. So I, I listen to The Nod sometimes, mm-hmm. and one of the episodes, they interviewed the man who designed the fight. Maybe, I'm not sure if it was for the movie or for the cartoon, but I think it was for the cartoon. The fighting style, which was a combination of several styles. That, that makes he, sense, yeah. That he was an expert of. Oh. And it, it's a really interesting interview. It sounds interesting. See if I can find the, uh, I mean, they have uh, a the very, link to it. They very clearly have like a designated style that's been designed for the show, so that does not surprise me. But not is a great podcast. Hmm. If you They're short episodes um, about African-American culture, really. Mm-hmm. So they interview different, different magical finds of people that you don't know anything about, like this guy who mm-hmm. who choreographed the fights for the Last Airbender. I think it was no Avatar. Oh, I have another thing to plug that's very out of the realm of this podcast, but I want to plug it anyways. So I kickstarted a thing. What's the word I want to say? Endorse? Supported a Kickstarter. So I supported a Kickstarter. <laughs> I forget where I found it, but it's related to board gamey stuff. It's hmm. called. Inhuman Conditions, it's so fun. Um, and although it has not completed and shipped, you can now, you can just like go get the stuff and print it off, get cheapo versions. But it's a game, it is, it's like a party game, but it's it's a bunch of like one-on-one games where you rotate. It's meant to replicate that scene from Blade Runner where he's testing someone to see if they're an <gasps> oh, android. Yay. And so one player is a investigator and the other player is a something. <laughs> And you have a five-minute timer, and then there is, like, the player who is the suspect has a little card that says if you're a human or a robot. And if you're a robot, there are certain things you're supposed to do in the five minutes. You have to, you're having a conversation, and you're playing a role. So, And you'll have a card that'll be like, well, you're a zookeeper. Um, and then you'll have a private card that says you're a robot, and you're not allowed to... Uh, it'll be like you're not allowed to ever engage in a hypothetical situation in your answers Um, and then on the board there will also be a penalty which is like if you were to mess up you have to swear is one of them and so you're the the investigators has a series of questions they're asking you and they're like what did you do today what did you have for breakfast uh where how was work and as the suspect you're supposed to be like oh it was great i went to the zoo and i fed the orangutans but you're being very careful not to goof up the hypothetical or go say go and yeah. say a hypothetical and if you do then you have to try and slip in a swear word even though the investigator knows if you do that that means you're a robot and then huh. they have to determine if you're a human or robot just based on whether your answers are regular but or humans not. can swear anyway right 
Well, they could, but they don't want to be accidentally marked as a robot. Oh, okay. So they're so trying you... to avoid the penalty no matter what their situation is. Okay, because I thought maybe like you would swear as a human just to throw them off. Like, no, but you, you might accidentally because you were just having a conversation. So it's very much somebody being like, Nicole's answer- doing this improvised <laughs> character, and I think she's not... Like, she said two words that rhymed more than once, so I think she might be a robot, but I have to decide. It's really fun. It's got. She would it's have really to be because normal Nicole doesn't rhyme at all. <laughs> uh, it's really cool. It was totally worth the Kickstarter bucks. I think you can just print it out even if you didn't Kickstarter. That sounds really it. cool. It's really cool. It's worth checking out. Hmm. Well, okay. Do uh, you want to talk about the cocktail? It's sure. Delicious. I only had two weeks to make this cocktail. <laughs> well, you did a good job in two weeks. <laughs> Wait, do we talk about cocktail first or movies for next time? Well, let's do movies for next time. Oh, what I are we doing next time? Um, but I'm going to have to look them up again because I can't remember what oh, one of the names. Oh, <laughs> should have talked about the cocktail. <laughs> Did we make it to the 80s? Yes, we are we're in the 80s. This is our first movie from the 80s. Videodrome. I am also from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We did it. I have been looking forward to watching at least one of these two movies, maybe both of them. We're going to watch two sci-fi movies. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's right. Political sci-fis. Okay. Uh, one is called Born in Flames. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. Is that the one with Robin Wright or the other one? Uh, that's the other one. Okay. This is the one directed by Lizzie Borden from 1983. Okay. It's a dystopian future. We'll find out more about and it. And or present. It. <laughs> it's also film documentary style, so it kind of fits in with a lot of the other movies we've seen. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, the other movie that we're watching is The Congress. That's from 2014. It uh, stars Robin Wright. That was the one. And it is about an aging actress who sells her, I'm saying image, but it's not, she doesn't really sell her image. She sells. Her likeness? She sells, let's just say she sells her image or her likeness Mm -hmm. to a movie company so that they can use computers to put her into any movie that they want. Yeah. A Peter Cushing scenario. Yes. Now (laughs) we're starting to do the thing that this movie's about. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Although you can always tell. Yeah, because <laughs> they look bad. They don't look quite right, but yeah, it's that. Okay. Mm. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. What about the cocktail? Okay, and so for the cocktail. So I have to sort of reach, in order to start working on one of these cocktails, I have to have some sort of something that I'm reaching for. A concept. Like, yeah, what is, what is you know, what does the Chicago 10 and a movie about the Vietnam War. <laughs> 10 shots of vodka. What kind of cocktail? <laughs> And I, so I, I wanted to do something sort of hippie, yippie, mm-hmm. hippie stuff. Um, and there is a cocktail called tie-dye, but it mm-hmm. doesn't look like tie-dye at all. It's like oh, a, well, it's like a layered shot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sort of wanted it to be tie-dye and I thought about flowers mm-hmm. and stuff. And for whatever reason, I made it tropical. So it's kind of got the flavors of a pina colada, except less coconut, a lot less coconut. Yeah, I would say it was more <laughs> citrusy than a pina colada which is generally very milky i mean it's equal parts lime juice coconut cream uh dry curacao it's got a little for the flower part it's got a little lavender um bitters bitters and some orange blossom water and rum and then i got some chocolate molds in the shapes of flowers and made a bunch of different flower ice cubes that are all different flavors so there's a purple one that's um, and I, the only dye I used was butterfly pea flowers, hmm. which we've had in the past, which is yeah. a, a blue flower that is reactive to acid. So it'll turn pink yeah. uh, when it, like if you add it to something citrusy, it would turn, 
it pink sure. instead of blue. Anyway, so I use that to dye a blue ice cube, which is mango tea, and then there's one that's purple, which is a little bit of that. And the coconut cream kind of uh, hampered the blue and made it purple instead of hmm. blue. I, hmm. I don't know why. It hampered its reaction to the lime. It was a lime coconut flower. And then there's a tart cherry flower and a pineapple flower. Hmm. I mean, they were very tasty. Yeah, and it also, the it. color worked. And the coconut cream is so powerful, it turned the drink white. Mm-hmm. So then you put these flowers in it, and it really does make it kind of tie-dye and flowers. And Yeah, it mm-hmm. looks very hippiesy. Or yippiesy. Hippies <laughs> and yippies. <laughs> yeah. Were there zippies? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> still time. Yes. Yeah, the zennials will be zippies. Well, I mean, I, more and more I keep thinking, we really need... Yeah. We need something. <laughs> we got the alt right. Where's the other thing? Yes, where's the other thing? Well, I mean, that's the other part of it that's just crazy. I mean, like from the in the sixties, the left was the you know those those kids. They were considered radical. Yeah, radical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all they wanted was peace. That yeah. was the radical I don't want request to be drafted in a war. I don't. How like. dare you sing in a park, you? <laughs> but that's radical. the crazy Beat thing. Them. It's the same. Crack their heads. It's the same now. Yes. The people who don't want kids in internment camps are the crazy radicals, mm-hmm. and the people who don't think of those people as human beings are the establishment that we are fighting against. But we don't have enough. We don't have. Well, any day we'll find the middle ground between those two, and right. then we'll move forward into That's the future. That's the other thing. <laughs> I had an argument on Facebook just this week about, no, I don't think we should bend over backwards to get these white ladies who voted for Trump on our side, because they're not coming. That's There's a no waste mystery. of time. These aren't like misguided progressives who just don't know what the right choice is. These are Republicans, and at some point they're just always going to vote Republican, and it's just a waste of time and effort mm-hmm. to try and convert them. Like, it's a much better use of resources to get people who otherwise sit it out. Right. Yeah. This, is, this is, you know, I'm basically arguing with someone who I wouldn't have argued with in the past because all she wants is to convince people to show people how hateful they are to mm-hmm. themselves like mm-hmm. in a nice way somehow it's holding talks, up that mirror to society yeah somehow talk somebody out of being a horrible person and then once mm-hmm. they see it then everything you know then they'll be on mm-hmm. our side one at a time I will convert these heathens <laughs> one person at a time till I take we've done it it's a super efficient strategy <laughs> yeah we got it <laughs> yeah one easy way to get people to vote is to run candidates who have policies that they like <laughs> well and i gotta say that i was actually really impressed with the midterm strategy yeah to talk about health care sure and things that people cared about people and not, like that yeah and it was a super smart strategy and let's do more of that yeah people get really riled up with like remember this thing that you hate that is going on in your life right now what if we didn't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> what if we even made it better <laughs> yeah then people will actually go vote for you because Believe it or not, that part of the system actually works, where it's like, if you offer people things they like, they'll vote for you. It worked for Trump. It I really did. The, the one thing that is beyond my, I boggles my mind, the idea of an undecided voter right now. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't know who they're going to vote for before they get there is like, you're you see the same things i see right except probably not no, they're probably, probably just don't. not looking they're as just hard tuning it right out yeah 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 you if you don't go on facebook i mean i could avoid seeing any of this oh, stuff even if, if you I go tried. on facebook if you go on facebook and your facebook is the facebook that's designed to return to you the thing that you want yeah. which they all are just curated yeah. they're all i see <laughs> after two years <laughs> i see 
Lots of pictures a, of food and <laughs> pets. A lot of political yeah. oh, stuff. I wish more. I wish I had all food and pets. If I, I do see a few pets, and I see some food. I see a lot of babies on Instagram. <laughs> but I see a lot of news. But yeah, if that's all you interact with, then Facebook's algorithm, that's all they'll oh, that show would, you. What right. a great world that would be. I wish I was an undecided voter for that Facebook. <laughs> well, you can also, you know, say, I don't want to see this stuff. You yeah, can, you can... doesn't. Can, where's my no Nazis button? I need that no Nazis button. I need to say I'm from Germany and just take care of that all. There's lots of Nazis in Germany, I'm afraid. Yeah, but if you turn on your I Germany filter on Twitter, then it blocks all of them because that's against the law there. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a fascinating thing? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so this filter exists. Uh-huh. It really does. To comply with the law in Germany. Yes, it does. And yet Twitter is saying that they can't weed these people out That anyway? is exactly what they say in okay. how it okay. works. I'm just going to stew on this one for that a while. That is exactly how the laws work so that they can mm -hmm. make the money of being in Germany without doing the thing that they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Slurp. Drink that cider, Jacob. Excellent. Yeah, cider helps. Uh, well, great. We'll uh, watch some science fiction movies. Yeah, for I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I I don't know how crazy the old movie from the '80s is going to be. I hope it's super crazy. Yeah, me too. I really hope it's. Super um, crazy. I love '80s movies. I've started mm -hmm. thinking about the drink. I think I'm going to have to do some molecular. Ooh, those are fun. Are you going to do blobs again? <laughs> blobs are fun. Nicole never got to experience the blobs. She did. There were blobs in the loving uh -huh. drink. I don't uh -huh. think she liked them. No, uh. I liked them. They were, were cherry, they right? No, they were, there was dry curacao inside of it. They were red, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I liked them just fine. Okay. But it was no video drum drink. <laughs> no, it wasn't uh, the weird. new flesh. It wasn't weird and goopy. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. See you guys next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for, uh. Thanks for listening. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Hey, I, wait, I do have a quick question. Which episode is this? Is this 12? This is 13? 15. Wow. Yep. We've done a lot of episodes. And I think we have about five left, and we may do a special one. I yeah. think we may be, I think we should watch The Battle in Seattle. Yeah, that seems appropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll see if I can find somebody we know who was there. <laughs> there are people my age. I just remember there's a guy I went to high school with in junior high who was on the cover of the Seattle Times being handcuffed oh, or something at the right. time not a friend of mine but <laughs> probably somebody like probably know somebody somewhere cool be good okay bye 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 a hundred thousand dollar ransom i don't understand a ransom you mean to to take to rip the, rip off this city for a hundred grand yeah it, it's a it's a groovy thing to do <laughs> what are you kidding what are they gonna do with it anyway would you have done it what? Would you have taken $100,000 to call everything off? I would have taken $100,000 as to calling it off. <laughs> well. Well, how much is it worth to you to call it off? Call off what? A million? What? Would you have done it for a million? Revolution? Yeah. What's your price? My life. <laughs>